Welcome back to Safe Talk with SafeTart. I'm Danny Smith, and today we sit down with Chris Anderson of Spirit Aerosystems. And we invited Chris because, well, his organization has done just a truly remarkable job of implementing SafeTart. So, uh, Chris, welcome to the podcast, first of all. Well, Danny, thank you very much for the invitation and for the opportunity to share our human factors journey that we've had here at Spirit. Thank you very much for sharing. Uh, and I believe we'll definitely be able to glean a lot from uh, the story of your success. Before we jump into that, first of all, for our listeners, a bit of background on Chris himself. Uh, Chris is the Executive Director for Global EHS and Security for Spirit Aerosystems. And he has been in the EHS field now for over 15 years in a variety of different industries. He's a proud veteran of the United States Navy. Thank you very much for that, sir. And uh, while in the Navy, he worked for the Navy's nuclear power program. So uh, thanks again for being here. And Chris, if you don't mind, uh, let's uh, let's start at kind of the obvious spot, I suppose, which is the beginning. Uh, what really prompted you and your organization to be searching for a process that, that ultimately led you to SafeStart? Yeah, Danny. Well, you know, Spirit Air Systems, uh, we're, we're a, a fairly large company. We have about 16,000 employees worldwide. And, uh, you know, like most large companies, we had a lot of the elements in place for a successful safety management system. Uh, we had good policies and procedures, uh, a well-staffed EHS department, one that I'm, I'm very lucky to have uh, working with me here at, at, with the team across the globe. Um, you know, we got funding for established safety items that we needed to, and, and really our top leadership was committed to a safe workplace. And, and yet, despite all of that, we still continue to see some of the same repeat issues that would pop up, repeat injuries. Unfortunately, sometimes we'd even get some outside regulatory engagement intervention. And, and we knew that we were, there was just something that, that was missing. And, and when you think about it like a puzzle piece, right, it was a pretty big piece. And it was kind of that thing that's the, the glue that binds everything together, right? What, what are the things that takes those positive elements that we're doing and, and makes it cohesive? And, and really that comes down to culture when you think about it. And uh, while defining culture is kind of an interesting and difficult beast all by itself, really it is what helps us kickstart that cultural maturation process within an organization. And I think that's where Safe Start's really been integral to our journey at this point, right? Uh, Safe Start finds a way to tackle sometimes potentially contentious elements, like when we're talking about the causations for injuries and incidents, and it helps minimize blame and I think when you do that, when you have a strong culture like that, it really allows for more of a rapid journey from incident to root cause, and then hopefully to, to getting an irreversible corrective action so you don't have these incidents happen again. And that's kind of where, where we were looking at is what, what's going to bring everything together uh, that we had been doing and make it more effective. Sure. When you first started your journey with uh, Safe Start uh, and maybe right before Safe Start, what was, what was the culture of the organization like at that time? You know, the, the culture was okay, I guess would be the best way of putting it, you know, because Safe Start really wasn't the first lever we tried to pull in our effort to improve our culture, but, but it has been our most uh, effective one by far. And really looking at that culture immediately preceding the introduction of Safe Start, I said we, I'd say we have a lot of people who are putting a lot of horsepower in trying to move that needle. Uh, but, you know, with a, a global organization, we have 10 locations worldwide. Uh, finding a standardized approach that worked for everybody was difficult, right? To to say this, the least, we, we didn't speak the same language in safety, let alone the same language on the day-to-day -day at times. Um, but really, 
what we ultimately had was some pockets of excellence. We had some sites and some functions with some very great dynamic leaders. They took the reins. They really moved it forward. Uh, they didn't need to uh, be pro poked and prodded along. Sure. We had some other sites and some functions that that maybe they were a little bit slower approach. It's not that they wanted anybody hurt by any stretch, but I just don't think they knew how to translate that intent into positive action and, and move forward with an improved culture. So I think ultimately what we needed was uh, almost like that Rosetta Stone, we're talking about language, right? That thing that can right. translate everybody to get out on the same page and, and move forward as, as a group at that point. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that because quite often we hear organizations where they do have multiple sites, multiple plants, even within a plant, maybe multiple departments, and you have some leaders who move the the organization or their work group, their team along a little faster than others. Uh, some, for whatever reason, just seem to take a bit longer with that. Uh, but it is interesting to me, you mentioned the vocabulary. I know we want to get into that a little bit more and just kind of having that common language for safety. That's uh, something we hear from a lot of our clients uh, is that it gets embedded into their culture. Uh, what about after you implemented Safe Start? Uh, I guess with the uh, the ones who did adopt it quickly and then certainly the ones who uh, were a little bit slower in their approach. What what did it look like after you implemented the process? Well, you know, again, talking about a, a large global organization where we're, we're spread all out, it's it's like one big symphony at this point. Right. And I think at least now we're, we're kind of playing off the same sheet of music. Um, we're acting in harmony a little bit more and we're seeing some positive gains. Um, some of the key elements and, and for us, something like near miss and good catch reporting, uh, we know the value of that. We know how important that is to be able to intervene early before things escalate to a bigger situation. And, and we'd kind of previously struggled to really get that off the ground. But I think the momentum that we have is, you know, that aligns very well with, with the certs, right? Uh, when we look at incident investigations, we've incorporated Safe Start language into that process as well, which really decreases the stress and sometimes the consternation employees have when you're going through an incident investigation process where they think it's about finding blame. Right. And by using that Safe Start language, we're, we're able to kind of bring those walls down and, and sure. people are a little bit more vulnerable, um, which, which is a great thing in this regard, and transparent and, and allows us to get to the root cause that much sooner. And I think the other thing is our senior leaders, you know, from our CEO and our executive leadership team, they're not using that safe start language on a daily business. It's part of their daily vernacular. And uh, I, I can tell you that it's uh, it's as a safety professional, I get really excited when when I hear our CEO hearing about an incident and he goes, well, it sounds like they were rushing and maybe a little bit fatigued and <laughs> maybe their eyes weren't on task. And, you know, it, it's natural for him, though. He's right. not just doing it to, to force it. And and I think that it's really been helpful. And I think the other piece, too, is most of our sites uh, have collective bargaining agreements with with unions and the union representatives that we have within our safety program at each of those sites. Um, now, many of them are our Safe Start trainers, so they're really involved with the process. And that's helped with the credibility of the program, too, because I think when employees see their peers that are part of this process and they hear them giving the positive reference to the program, it, it just bumps the credibility up of the program and people are a little bit more receptive to it. So it's just not the safety flavor of the month or or the same old approach to, to certain elements. And it really has helped us move our cultural maturity model forward significantly since we've implemented Safe Start. 
Sure. And, you know, I love that idea of having, you know, not only senior management and leadership supporting this, but certainly having the support from the the shop floor. And especially, as you said, from the collective uh, bargaining units uh, and the union representatives, that is so key. And I recall uh, our producer of, of the podcast, Kevin Cobb, talking years ago when I first started uh, with Safe Start, talking about, you know, you don't want it where it's all top down. You don't want it where it's all bottomed up. It's got to be very, very holistic or, or otherwise it just, it doesn't work as well. I'm not going to say it can't work, but it just doesn't work as well. So thinking about uh, kind of your progress with the entire process of Safe Start, was there anything that you saw along the way that you would consider to be like, perhaps a bit of a unique approach that you took with this? I don't know if it's necessarily unique or not. Uh, You know, actually, one of the great things was just last month getting to participate in the Human Factors Conference that Safe Start held in uh, Orlando, was able to really get to understand and and hear other sites and and what they've done to implement, and uh, which was very beneficial, by the way. Kudos, just going to throw out a little kudos to that whole Human Factor Conference team to put that together. Uh, but we okay, just kept the hurricane away. That was the only thing yeah. we fouled up on, I think. I'm sure you know, we can improve it, in a lot of areas, but man, the hurricane, what the heck? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought, right? Especially yeah. that late in the year. Um, but but I, I would say I don't think there's anything that we do that is tremendously unique in that regard. But one, one of the things that we've really focused on here in 2022 is we've kind of recovered from uh, two major black swan events that happened in the aerospace industry. One, of course, the, the global pandemic, which affected everybody. Um, but then also, uh, we're, we're still recovering from the Boeing Max disasters. And, and right. those are obviously horrific, horrific things when you talk about the loss of life with the 2737 Max crashes. But um, it, it had a pretty significant impact on our, our industry. And, right. and it's taken us a while to recover. The, the positive thing is that recovery is in full swing. And so, uh, you know, to date, uh, when we're just about here at the end of the year, we've had 4,000 new employees processed through our, our new hire orientation process this year. And um, just a, it, it's insane to think about that many people, right? About 80 right. new people a week on average. Wow. And w- what we've done is, is we've decided to focus a lot of our Safe Start training on those new employees before they ever hit the shop floor. They're having gone through at least, and, and here in Wichita, we're still using Safe Start Classic. So they, they go through at least the first three units of Safe Start before they ever are actually out on the shop floor doing their job. And we feel like w- we wanted to do that for a specific reason, because we know historically, when you bring in a lot of new people, you you typically see an uptick in your injuries. And typically, it's those new folks. They're just not, um, they're not as aware of the risks around them. Maybe we haven't done as good of a job training them. Whatever the reason may be, uh, we always seem to realize that uptick in employees with less than six months of, of experience. Uh, what I'd say is we're, we're pretty proud is that we didn't see that this year. While we have seen a little bit of an uptick in injuries overall, um, that it hasn't been something that stands out with regards to these new employees. And I really give a lot of credit to that Safe Start training, kind of giving them that base level, that foundation so they have something strong to build upon as they're building their skills and building their abilities uh, to actually perform work. I think the other thing that we've done well and maybe is somewhat of a unique approach, again, we talked about the fact that most of our sites have collective bargaining agreements and, and uh, represented workforce. Um, we've been true partners with, with that represented workforce. And, and so in, in Wichita, we're, we have about 26 certified trainers right now, um, over half of them. Are, are part of the union safety group. 
And again, I think by investing and empowering those critical employer representatives and making sure they're part of that process, uh, it, it's really done wonders for the credibility of the program and, and just how well it's being received by the employees out on the shop floor. Sure. It, it kind of defines the expectation of what the culture is for, for the organization, doesn't it? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the, one of the amazing things with Safe Started is it does help you to just set that baseline of what the expectations are uh, for for culture. And uh, you mentioned the new folks coming in, and we hear that all the time from clients who have a lot of new hires coming in, uh, be it from growth or turnover, that, uh, well, as I often say, any new employee you bring in, they're bringing their culture, their work history uh, with them, right? And their experiences from their previous employers. So, some of that can be positive, some of it can be negative, but you certainly want to get everybody, you know, kind of leading the same direction, if you will, there. I think one of the things, too, when we talk about culture is the sincerity of an organization's culture right. is uh, is something that really matters. And if we were just focusing on safety at work, I think the the credibility of that culture would only go so far with the workers. And I think that's one of the things I really appreciate about Safe Start right? It's safety at work. It's safety at home. It's safety on the road. It is that holistic approach to 24 seven safety for the employees because we care about them, right. them as people. And, and I think that's where I, really the value of Safe Start really rings true for me is that it's a sincere way of the company saying, hey, I care about you, Danny, as the person, not as the employee of Spirit Aero Systems. And, sure. and I think that also helps quite a bit. And, and one of the things I really appreciate about Safe Start and the principles that it teaches. Sure. And I think that's one of the great things that uh, our our consultants and certainly the trainers that our consultants train uh, to to present the process. I think that's one of the good things that we, we do is just try to get you know, get everybody to recognize, hey, you got to make it personal. You got to make it where it's not just about, okay, well, we lowered our TRIR rate or whatever. It's, hey, we can keep you and your family and and your your kids and grandkids and whatever safe, right? Uh, so I think that's huge. You, you mentioned a moment ago uh, leadership and that you had just some outstanding support from your leadership group. Could you talk about that for just a moment? Yeah, you know, I... <laughs> It's funny you'd mentioned kind of Kevin talking about the top down and bottom up approach. And, and I kind of I, I share that uh, in principle as well, too. Right. It's like burning the candle from both ends when you can you can tap into both the, the commitment from the top and the engagement from from the bottom, from the from the employees. Uh, but to me, I, I still think the top down approach still carries a heavier weight, right? Because these are the the people who are setting the expectations for work. They're providing the funding for the the projects and activities that that need to be invested in and really establishing what we as an organization would would have as our core values. And so, you know, we're very lucky at Spirit. I I joke that, uh, you know, when people say, hey, what, what could we do to emulate some of the positive things that Spirit's doing? You know, I I was like, I wish you could go to CEOs R Us, right? Kind of like Toys R Us and, and pick out <laughs> the, the current version that we have here in, in Tom Gentilly. Uh, Tom is, is the strongest CEO and, and I've ever worked for, uh, hands down. He He's an absolutely passionate safety leader. You know, on, on top of the fact that he's participated in and championed a lot of the Safe Start principles, um, he's a very active and engaged leader with regards to safety. Every week he's reviewing all of our recordable injuries, what we're doing to identify the root cause and establish corrective actions. And if they're not adequate in his eyes, he he will challenge the team to do better. And, uh, 
you know, there's good and bad with that, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. as, a, as a safety leader, right? Sometimes you just, hey, let me move forward. But I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the fact he cares that much to, to challenge us if, if he doesn't think that we're, we're really fixing the, the root cause at that point. And, uh, and so that's fantastic. And on top of that, then he, he puts his money where his mouth is. Uh, he's not told us no when we've asked for money to fix safety issues that we do identify. In fact, he's done some other things to actually help streamline that, um, basically set up safety funds that we can use throughout the course of the year when we identify corrective action that, that needs to be implemented that we didn't get to budget or plan for. We, we have a process to streamline some funding that uh, eliminates some of the bureaucracy in that regard. Uh, I would say one of the other things that uh, is, is really strong from, from his level and from our executive leadership team is we have a twice a month executive safety council that he sits on as the CEO, as the chair of that. Uh, all the members of the executive leadership team are there. All the site leaders and functional leaders are there, as well as the safety leaders for each of those areas. And, you know, some of it is a standard itinerary. We're reviewing metrics. We're looking at our safety action plans and how well we're progressing or if we need help. A lot of best practice sharing that goes on there. Uh, We're sharing incident investigations and and what we're doing to correct these items. Um, And and these are not just superficial check the box meetings, right? There's some real strategic decisions that are formed here. Um, There's some very constructive uh, criticism and feedback that takes Mm -hmm. place to make sure that we're doing the right things. But what I really appreciate is that Tom is our CEO. He's very quick to get everybody level set. Everybody is on the same page about what is our most important overall valuable resource, and that's our people and what we have to do to take care of them. And so uh, honestly, again, if, if you need to go get a fix, CEOs are us. Uh, I think this Tom Gentile <laughs> model, they got a special holiday deal going on right now if you want to head out there and, and pick one of those up. You know, as you were saying that, I had, had kind of the flashback to Toy Story where you see all the Buzz Lightyears. And it, oh, if picking <laughs> leaders were that simple, where we could just oh, go and say, hey, I need a great supervisor. I need a great CEO. I need a great whatever it is. Uh, if we could just go down the aisle and say, okay, there's one. But it, it just doesn't work that way, does it? No, no it really doesn't. But it'd be great if it could be. My uh, I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and I know you know this, obviously, but for the benefit of those listening, uh, you re- really that kind of hands-on approach uh, that you were talking about with with Tom and, and with your team in general, uh, that is just so essential to the success of any process, including Safe Start. And uh, especially, I think, if you have a, a union shop like you have at Spirit, uh, getting them involved, getting them vo- involved early in the process. And it's something I always encourage uh, any facility that has union involvement, just get them involved, get them involved early and let them know what you're wanting to accomplish. And like you said, uh, you know, let them understand it's not just about the workplace too. We want to take care of their union brothers and sisters, you know, and that's, I think that's key for them. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, I, I think it's one of those elements too, that, no matter what, you're always going to fight uh, perception on things, right? And and one reason or another, I think sometimes people think that Safe Start is a behavioral-based safety process, right? And while behaviors may be involved, it's it's not your traditional BBS by any stretch of the imagination. But right. um, you know, at times there's you know unions that are 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 opposed to that because there have been companies that have rolled out BBS programs that aren't doing it for the right reasons, unfortunately, right? Or they don't execute it the way it should be done or they do it in a silo. And like you said, by being open and honest with with what the intent and purpose is, um, 
getting them involved early, letting them see what the process is. And then ultimately where I think we've, we've had our most success is letting them be part of the stakeholders that, that are deciding as, as we're moving forward, whether that's on the steering committee itself, being trainers within the process, mm-hmm. um, you know, that has really lended to a lot more credibility with the process. And, and I think help break down some of those walls that were naturally being there, intrinsically be there between companies and unions that happen from time to time. Right. Um, we're just focusing on, on, Hey, we're trying to look out for everybody, be your brothers and sisters keepers. Like you said, mm-hmm. yeah, given that, um, you know, hindsight is, as they say, twenty twenty. Is there anything you think you would have done differently with the implementation that you've done? Well, with the fact that uh, I think we did our train the trainer on site about a week before the second Boeing Max crash, and and which had a huge impact to our business. And then, of course, a few months after that, we we had COVID that hit. Um, not not time it with uh, with those two crazy events that happened, but. Uh, uh, you know, in all seriousness, while, while those two big events did impact our, our rollout, you know, a, a lot of our hiccups along the way, initially at least, they, they weren't just impacted because of that, right? One, I will say, and and I got to give uh, my my client rep a lot of uh, credit here. I call him my Canadian bulldog, uh, Drew McDonald. <laughs> you know, he he's he's seen these rollouts in hundreds of locations. Listen to your people who are helping you with with this. Um, they they know what what's been successful and not been successful in places, and I think uh, we we try to outthink ourselves, right? And sure. and I think a lot of organizations do that. We you get surrounded with a lot of great people, really intelligent people, and they're like, hey, we know our culture, we know our ability of things. Yeah, we appreciate your guidance on on a rollout, but this is what we'd rather do. Um, and and I'm not saying you can't be personalized to to your individual function or, or group. But uh, I, I wish we had really stuck to the rollout the way it was kind of prescribed to us because, and this is this is my, I don't know if I'd say failure, but my hiccup here is we, we had that that second uh, Boeing Max crash and and our entire leadership team was, was fully enveloped on contingencies and actions and, and what do we right. got to do to keep the doors open? And so I thought I was doing the right thing by insulating them from some of the leadership sessions and and maybe trying to internalize the steering committee to a smaller group at that point. And and I think that slowed our process down because, you know, the, the funny thing is with with this program, it sells itself. Right. Safe start. You, you just you got to try it. Right. Once you try right. it and you see it, you, you know, the value of it. And our leaders see that as well, too, because. Um, while, while I had tried to insulate that leadership team initially on, one, once they saw the value of the program, my God, it just made my job so much easier. They gave the additional sure. horsepower, the push to the organization to make sure that this is a commitment that we wanted to make for our people. And, and we we had a lot more success at that time. So um, I, I would say if there's one thing I could go back and do differently, it's it's adhere to to, to what the guidance and recommendations were from, from my client support. You know, they, they really did give me the best path forward and the areas where I struggled were the ones where I didn't listen to them. So kudos. And to that's not always the case, right? Uh, certainly there are times where, you know, you know, your organization better than we do, but at the same time we have kind of seen, uh, I always feel like that guy from the farmer's insurance commercial, uh, you know, I, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. And I think a lot of us, a lot of us are that way within our own organizations for sure. Right. Uh, but we have seen some things that work and frankly, some things that don't work. Uh, and so, 
finding what works for each individual client and, and each individual site even is is so critical. And that's where kind of the, the one team approach that we have adopted within SafeDart really is helpful with that. Uh, you mentioned one of our team members a moment ago, um, one of our client managers, Drew McDonald, and Drew's just phenomenal. Uh, for those of you who don't know Drew, uh, he, he's just super, he, a very detailed person and really, really helps people just hone in on exactly what it is they need to be successful in in whichever implementation or whichever process they're they're implementing with safe start right yeah drew drew's a great guy and uh you know i ironically um because of covid and everything like that i've, I've never been able to meet drew in person it sounds like that's going to finally happen though sometime later this year i know drew gets to do some client site visits mm-hmm. i think we're on the docket for him so uh looking forward to uh being able to officially shake his hand in person and uh but uh you know i've, I've spent now three plus years, uh, getting, getting to know Drew quite a bit, uh, getting his support, getting his guidance, getting, uh, his persistence. And I mean that in a positive way, cause he sure. is, uh, that's, that's where the bulldog nickname came in a little bit for him there at that point. So I'm really looking forward to, to finally meeting him in person, but feel like he's, I've developed a friendship with him over these last few years. He's just a great sure. guy. Yeah. And we hear a lot of our clients who have very similar experiences. I know as I started as a client, I, uh, I did not actually get to meet my client manager until a couple of years into the process uh, as well. So that was uh, uh, to meet them in person, as you were saying, you know, uh, certainly, as you said, we we do become one big team and one big family. So I, I think that's a great, great place for us to, to kind of wrap this up is the fact that we, you know, as you said, we're here to help, we're here to support and do whatever we can with any implementation, certainly with uh, an organization of your size or Smaller organizations, big or small, that's what we do, right? So, uh, Chris, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. And uh, I know it's a busy time of the year for sure. Uh, and just appreciate you uh, sharing some of the experiences that you have with our listeners. Well, Danny, thank you very much for the invitation. It's been my pleasure and really appreciate everything the Safe Start team has, has done to help Spirit Aero Systems and our employees over these last few years. So. Thank you very much. Uh, Gang, that's uh, it for our time today. I I really want to just thank you for uh, spending some of your time with us. And as as always, if you would, be sure to share this episode with others. I think this is a a great, great episode to share, uh, particularly with your steering committees and your leadership teams as well. So I really would encourage you to take a few moments and just send that over to them, send that link to them. Until next time, I'm Danny Smith for Safe Talk with Safe Start. Have a great day.